1: Good afternoon. Welcome to Fantasy Sports today here on Sports Grid, covering everything in the world of baseball, basketball, football, and of course, hockey, golf, and NASCAR. It is great to see everyone here on this Wednesday afternoon, August the 5th, 2020. We've got you for two hours straight here on the show. Michael Fabiano is going to join Joe Pizapia coming up a little bit later to get the very latest on football. And of course, we will review all the games that happened last night in the first hour of the show, second hour of the show, we move forward. And take a look at today's schedule. Of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Craig Mish. You can follow my co-host on Twitter at Joe pizapia 17 Joe, it's great to be with you here again on this Wednesday as we take a review of baseball. And things seem to be uh, looking up around the sport of baseball right now. You got Miami finally back on the field. St. Louis uh, looks like they're going to head back on the field too. And if everybody could do the right thing, I think we can get the season finished.
2: Yeah, it might look that way. I mean, there's no reason not to be optimistic right now. Trout returned. The Marlins returned. All the fish came back into the ocean yesterday, and we've got a lot of good stories, including what the heck is going on with Craig Kimbrell. as he done? There is a lot to unpack here and uh, some shaky starts there from a lot of those Diamondback pitchers. Another one on that pile with Madison Bumgarner last night. So a lot to break down, a lot to get to, and a lot of fantasy implications for sure.
1: All right, so let's get right to it and start off with the top story of the day, which really should be the top story in all of sports. Melanie Newman, the great broadcaster, uh, did her first play-by-play broadcast. It was the first female play-by-play broadcast in a Major League Baseball game doing that for the Orioles last night, so congratulations to her. Uh, Craig Kimbrell, as Joe mentioned, uh, lost his save opportunity yesterday and was pulled from the game, and his uh, future for sure, at least immediate future for the Cubs are in question. There's a couple of different closers on the verge of losing their gigs. We'll get to that a little bit later in the show. The Angels had a couple of home runs, Trout, Pujols for sure, but maybe they were overshadowed a little bit as Joe Adele made his Major League debut. I know a lot of folks are waiting for him to make the debut. He did it yesterday. He got a hit. Uh, St. Louis Cardinals cleared to play, so it looks like Friday will be their next game up. They're going to have to play a ton of games and a lot of seven-inning games to get through it and get to 55 games somehow, which qualifies you for the postseason but they seem to be confident in being able to do that. Uh, the Grizzlies lost one of their key players, Jaron Jackson Jr. He is now out for the season. Yesterday, the biggest underdog in uh, in the last 30 years in the NBA ends up not just covering but winning outright as 20-point underdogs, a really incredible finish there yesterday to see that happen for uh, for the Nets. I mean, it just, just a 35-to-1 shot on one bet? Are you kidding me? In one game in, in any sport is just outrageous. And then, of course, the downer of the day, there's going to be downer in the pandemic. We know that. And uh, UConn is not going to play football in 2020. And Joe, uh, you know, jokes aside, of course, about UConn's football program, we're going to start to see some of that today too, I would assume. But the reality is, is that the Huskies are the first big program, a uh, Power Five conference uh, program, to essentially say that they're not going to be playing this season. So we'll have to see what happens. Certainly, there's been rumblings of some other college f- uh, football teams shutting it down. And uh, when you have kids involved, it's really difficult to see. But at the same time, the amount of money that is out there for the SEC and the Big Ten and the Big 12 and all of the conferences. I don't know how they reconcile this, Joe. With all the money that is out there and the kids not getting paid, I I don't know how you can force them to play. And at the same time, I don't know how college football can go on with walk-ons. They have to have the real players on the field. So this is very uncertain, I would say, for uh, college at this point.
2: Yeah, it is. But the first word in student-athlete is student. And uh, I think we have to keep that in mind. They are not professional athletes. They are student-athletes. All the jokes about who's getting paid in college and boosters and all the other stuff aside... They are just students. They are not employees uh, of the teams uh, or the universities. And I think when you're looking at this, it's, it's very simple. I mean, it's very difficult to go out there and ask these people, these young men and women to go out there and play sports. Uh, just because they have a scholarship and it's potentially dangerous to them and their health and their long-term health, because we still do not know the ramifications of that. It's a whole different attitude. It's a whole different ball game, no pun intended, when you're talking about professional sports. So I'm not surprised there will be more to come here with a lot more college athletics getting canceled. And some of those big SEC teams, we already know, you know, where football drives university, uh, they are going to do their best to play. We'll see how it goes. But one thing's for certain, I think a lot of these universities won't be hurting too much. When you see some of the revenue that's coming into some of these big universities, I don't think you should be worried about how they will handle things next year. Believe me, there's a surplus of money to a lot of these big-time universities.
1: Well, I mean, I'm not sure about that. Wisconsin this morning is asking their boosters to donate to keep their program going, um, you know, threatening to lose uh, hundreds of millions of dollars this season. Whether or not that's true, I don't have the books to that, but uh, that was definitely not a good sign to see that come out today, as Wisconsin basically is saying that they can't continue without some of their boosters uh, making a donation um, in 2020 with the uncertainty of of fans being there. We'll, we'll see, but I, I'm worried, but I'm hopeful that college can continue to play as we welcome in our radio listeners. Uh, And, and also in terms of the opt out yesterday, when we last left people, I was under the assumption that four o'clock was the deadline, but uh, to opt out of the season, but a couple of players, Joe did end up opting out. And one of them was reported this morning as Albert Wilson, the really electric wide receiver on the Miami Dolphins, opted out, which makes two wide receivers for them. And, and not all that fantasy relevant, although I think Albert Wilson's a very underrated player and, and could have gotten some more playing time. Uh, you, when you lose two wide receivers like that, Alan Hearns, Albert Wilson, simply put depth, wide receiver two, three, four for them, mm-hmm. I would guess you're going to see the Dolphins hit the waiver wire and add somebody.
2: Yeah, I would imagine so. And look, Preston Williams hopefully can build on what you saw last year as well. That's a guy I'm very high on late drafts to take a fly on, especially now, less competition. But you're right, depth is very important in the NFL. And the Dolphins definitely need some more depth at the wide receiver position. The good thing and the good news is there are those guys who are floating around there that can be picked up. And they can make that. And by the way, shout out to Melanie Newman. That is a fantastic uh, bit of news there. And uh, we should spend a little bit more time highlighting that. And I want to make sure we do because that is a big time moment for Major League Baseball.
1: All right, coming up next, it's time for our fantasy standouts on Tuesday. From top to bottom, we'll hit up next right here on The Grid. Don't go.
0: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on The Grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish, Joe Pizapia, back with you here on the show. Great to be with you here on this Wednesday. We're going to get to yesterday's top fantasy performers. Uh, also, some baseball today. For those of you who can get guys in and out of your lineup, or you're just a baseball fan of the Atlanta Braves, Ozzie is placed on the 10-day injured list. So, certainly, you're going to have to do some making up with that, with steals, with potentially some power, some runs as well. He also placed Matt Adams on the 10-day injured list as well. So, uh, Joe, before we get started here with uh, with today's headlines, essentially from yesterday in fantasy, mm-hmm. that's not an easy player to replace in Albie's because you assume that you're getting somewhere probably between eight to 10 steals, maybe eight to 10 home runs, uh, some runs scored, batting you know in the midst of Acuna and Freeman and all of those others. But his wrist is just not good enough to play. And so Atlanta's doing the right thing, shutting them down for a couple of weeks. But when it happens on a Wednesday, if you're playing in a league where you can't make moves, that's that's not something you wanted to see this morning.
2: No. And if you're playing in Daily Fantasy, uh thing to take note of is Dansby Swanson probably moving up into that two spot, too. And he's been pretty good this year. So that could be a nice boon for his value. His price has not changed, but his spot in the batting order has. So take well account of that. And also Swanson was only owned at about 50% of leagues heading into this week. So he could even be floating around the waiver wire still if you're looking for some middle infield help. But no, the the Braves are right now. I, I know they had a really good start for Max Free. We talked about that yesterday, how important that was. But at the same time, you know, how many obstacles can you overcome? Fulton Everage, Bats, Soroka out for the year, Albis on the DL, Freddie Freeman starting the season, you know, with COVID. I mean, so many things right now going on for Atlanta. You just hope they can hold it all together, and these next 10 days are going to be crucial for that.
1: It will be, and the Braves have gotten off to a good start, so maybe they can withstand it. They also could make a trade too. But uh, Thursday, by the way, is the, uh, the 28-man rosters get enforced as opposed to 30. And that announcement came yesterday that instead of 26 for the rest of the season, it will be 28. So that creates some extra opportunities for some players. But the players that we're going to review right now who had big games yesterday don't need to worry about that 28, (laughs) 26, 30-man roster. That's for sure. Congratulations to Mike Trout. Hits another home run, his second of the season. New dad, new home run, nothing new for him. Nelson Cruz and the Minnesota Twins just keep rolling and rolling. They don't stop. Three for four yesterday. 16 RBIs on the season? Are you kidding me? What a season this guy is having. Always a good starter, but this is you know sort of beyond anything that we've seen from him. Uh, speaking of which, picking Shane Bieber to win the Cy Young, if you have that ticket in your back pocket or on FanDuel somewhere, Oh, wow, you are feeling really good. Three and O now for this guy. Seven and two thirds, two runs, eight strikeouts, and in a normal one sixty two, three and O means yeah. We'll check back in July, but guess what? <laughs> We're already in August. This guy's got a great shot right now. And boy, I wish I had that ticket. That's for sure. Ronald Acuna Jr. breaking out of his slump. Two for three, two runs, stolen base, hit a home run the other night. I think that the best is yet to come with him. Uh, The ageless wonder, Howie Kendrick with the Washington Nationals. Four more hits for him, including his first home run of the season last night. And chasing saves has been nearly impossible in the first week and a half of the baseball season. And Nick Anderson finally picked up his first one. But really, the moral of the story with Nick Anderson is this. This guy has not given up hits, and has not given up a run this season. 0.00 earned run average. And Joe, I know a lot of people drafted Nick Anderson to get those saves. I think they're going to be disappointed because they're going to use him when they need him. But at least that is a guy that you know is going to pitch in the late innings for uh, Tampa Bay. So that's where we'll start with those performances from yesterday.
2: Yeah, but at least you're getting ratios with Anderson. And that's the thing. You're you're going to get some really good secondary stats, and you have to take solace in that. And at least there are saves on the waiver wire. We've all been looking at them. These names that have cropped up out of nowhere. And all of a sudden, they're getting saves that no one ever even knew their name So at least you can pivot that way. It's very difficult to find guys who are as good of a pitcher as Nick Anderson is. It's easier to find one category and get the saves. And you know what? Some of these guys aren't that great. They're just getting saves. So you're going to need somebody like Nick Anderson to offset some of those rougher nights they might have in that role. And uh, look, obviously, some of these here. And Howie Kendrick is another one. Amazing. uh, Not surprising. uh, That start against Stephen Mass yesterday. Porcello on the mound today. I would imagine the Nats bats continue to get on there. I don't think we're going to get Juan Soto again today, which looks like uh, that's very strange. He's activated, but they're taking their time with him to make me wonder, why did you activate him? If you're not going to play him, it's kind of bizarre. And uh, Shane Bieber right now with the ERA under two, just dazzling. I mean, just fantastic. There is no way right now he is not the front runner for the Cy Young, but we still have some season left. I'm sure Garrett Cole is going to have something to say about it. But Shane Bieber, if anybody had questions about him and whether or not last year was for real, I don't think they have any questions anymore.
1: Yeah, probably the best move that I made in, in, uh, in the fantasy season, but my hitting is so atrocious and all my guys are, are hurt or opting out that uh, that's the only piece of good news, I would say, for me thus far as it started, but hopefully it will continue for him when he makes his next start this weekend. Uh, the good news uh, for baseball and in general was the Marlins returned yesterday, albeit there was a little bit of a scare early on in the day where they hadn't got their test results back, so they pushed the game back. They got their results. And literally uh, out of, the, of a hotel for 11 days and onto a field with no practice, Pablo Lopez made his first start of the season last night, Joe. And uh, to the tune, I don't know how it gets any better than this. Um, five innings pitch, no runs, no walk, seven strikeouts, mm-hmm. and improves uh, the Marlins season to 3-1. And, and And this guy just was throwing up against a pillow. In his hotel and I get it. It's the Orioles. I understand, but this is the same Orioles team that's gotten off to a really good start so far this season as well. And, um, you know, Joe, it's just, it just goes to show you that sometimes uh, the good stories in baseball pop up and uh, Marlins getting back on the mound uh, and getting uh, their team on the mound uh, certainly was a good thing, I think, just for baseball to have back again.
2: Yeah, I agree. And I don't want to hear that noise that, oh, it was the Orioles. No, that's crazy, man. You don't play this long and you show up and you put a hurting on a team. You deserve all the credit in the world. And Pablo Lopez certainly deserves that credit to come out there and pitch a gem the way he did and go five innings in this game. Yeah. Now, help that he didn't walk anybody, that's for sure. That allows you to go deeper into the game. But uh, I would say, uh, you know, a very shocking development, but this is why they play the game. This is what makes baseball so fun. What should have been probably a tough assignment for the Marlins coming back after that layoff even if it is just, quote, against the Orioles, end quote, the fact that they came back and won this game handily uh, tells you everything you need to know about baseball.
1: Yeah, Orioles were a favorite in that game as well. A lot of things happening with Pablo Lopez, not just being in the hotel uh, for a week, but right before that happened, his father passed away. And so you can imagine what was going through his mind as he ended up making that start against the Orioles yesterday. Thank you. Uh,
3: it really means a lot, you know, like the last few weeks, uh, it's been tough, like obviously what happened with my dad and, like uh, passing away and then just finding myself alone in a hotel room in Philadelphia. I mean, that really wore me down mentally a little bit, but it was also like thinking about him that like kept me like going through it and, you know, like... I I knew, like, I I kept having conversations with him, like, inside my head. And, like, I know he was, like, pushing for me when I was there, making sure I stay ready, I stay sharp. And, you know, like, I owed it to him, like, coming into today, you know, like, I knew he was watching me, I know he's there. And, like, and I really enjoyed that feeling, you know, like, having that feeling of someone on my shoulder looking out for me. And um, so, yeah, like, he he helped me, like, get through, like, the time in in Philly and making sure I was, like, trying to do things right to keep the arm loose, keep, like, everything in shape, and, you know, like, I went, I went into today feeling really good, so I'm sure, like, he had a lot to do with it.
1: Joe, you know, a really emotional time, I'm sure, for him, losing his father, and then uh, the way that he had to grieve was essentially in a hotel by himself, and that just speaks to more of, wow, what a performance uh, that this guy had last night, and I know only five innings, but certainly how much more could you expect a guy to go when his sim game essentially was up against a pillow and a wall in a hotel? Wow. May- amazing performance from me last night for him.
2: No, absolutely. Uh, Transcendent. And uh, this is, you know, these are the kind of story you hate these things when they happen. Uh, but we've seen them so many times. These incredible moments whether it's Brett Favre losing his dad. You see Pablo Lopez here and uh, the combination of the fathers and sons sports and sports and, and fathers and daughters and sports and mothers and sons. You know, the, the thing between parents and kids and the game is a very special thing. And uh, it was great that Pablo Lopez got to have this. It was a great moment for him and I'm glad he got to have it when eyes were on it. And a lot of eyes were on it yesterday as the Marlins uh, returned to playing baseball and uh, maybe a little bit more normalcy for him too. you know, getting back into that routine. I'm sure it cannot be easy for him right now, but getting back into that routine of pitching and being out there on the mound, at least there's uh, a little solace there for him.
1: Yeah, a lot of bad news around sports in the world, but that was one of the better stories that I had heard in a while. So uh, congratulations to Pablo for getting back on the mound and doing that, no doubt. Uh, we got Dan Strafford coming up with our Sports Grid update next, and then you'll want to stay tuned because the great Michael Fabiano is going to join Joe Pizapia, and Michael has a brand-new gig at Sports Illustrated. Congratulations to him. Of course, you can hear him on satellite radio as well, and they're going to review some of the latest in fantasy football for you, so make sure you stay tuned
2: all right welcome back everybody fantasy sports today joe Pizapia and craig mish here with you on sports grid and one of our favorite guests is back and he was also a big time free agent if you can believe it yes not every free agent is in nfl some are in fantasy football as well and he landed in a great spot he is sports Illustrated's newest star fantasy football analyst he's also the host of the dirt uh fantasy dirt over there at sirius xm radio he's the one the only michael fabiano michael Welcome back to the show. What's up, man? Such a a (laughs) wonderful
4: introduction, man. Like one of your favorite guests. Yeah. You know what it is? Listen, it's the Paisans. It's It's because we're both Italian and it just, we got this thing. That's how the Italians work, right? One of those things. You're Italian from New York. We just get each other. Exactly. I don't get the Mets thing. I apologize for the Mets right now. Cespedes opted out. I've got Edwin Diaz as my closer in fantasy baseball and the guy is horrible. But I do, I do have that stud pitcher at the top of your rotation. There, you yeah. know who I'm talking about. He's all right. He's, somebody, been, he's been he's been really right. good for me so far. But um, other than that, my uh, my condolences, my friend. Yeah, you know, well, next you time I'm for the Yankees, and your life would have been so much Listen, better. I are rooted you. for the Yankees, you got the Grom, but that's about it at this point, right? You don't understand. I
2: grew up in the '80s in the in Brooklyn the Mets were everything uh, my dad had a mustache like Keith Hernandez there was no way around it this was how it was going to be there's no doubt about that but but look next time I'll send you a baseball black book because clearly you need some help there I always just send you a football one out of courtesy but now it looks like you I need do. a baseball one so I'm gonna make sure yeah, that yeah box. I dropped
4: a Diaz and it that didn't work out so well what do you do well, anyway
2: got too. I needed a second closer <laughs> No, look n- no offense nobody wants to hear you talk about baseball maybe I do Everybody else true. wants to hear you talk about true. football because that's, that's who you are. So let's talk about it. You're at SI and I see you drop the big uh, rankings piece here. And I got to ask you the question. I want to talk about some of these running backs here because in the super flex, flex leagues, we were in different drafts. They try to keep us apart because this is what happens. Exactly. are we in a draft the whole time. This is all that would be, no one would ever get selected. <laughs> but the good news is uh, that we're both in that league. Now in mine, Clyde Edwards, helaire went number sixth overall, and that was not a super flex league. Right. I see in your new rankings on SI, You've got him there to take us through the reason why. Why are we so happy about this change here, whether it's the opt out of, uh, of Williams ahead of him or the offense or all the combination of things? How does he go up all the way to number six so far, having not played it down yet in the NFL?
4: It's all about Damian Williams opting out because I really feel like Williams was the only thing keeping the glide from being a first round pick. He landed in a great spot. With Andy Reid in that offense, the best offense in the National Football League, uh, I mean, by a mile, right? With Mahomes, the half-a-billion-dollar man, and Travis Kelsey, and Tyree Kill, and Nicole Hart, that offense is bananas good. But mm. I did some research on Andy Reid running backs, and this is dating back to his time in Philadelphia. So every time a running back was featured in Reid's offense in that first season, he was at least a top-ten running back mm. in fantasy. Every single one. Deuce Staley. First right. year as the featured back in Philadelphia under Andy Reid. He was the RB10, okay? Same thing with Brian Westbrook. Same thing with LaShawn McCoy. And then he goes to Kansas City. Jamal Charles. He's the running back number one. The first year under Andy Reid as the featured back. And then Kareem Hunt, who remember that year, was like, what, a third or fourth round pick? Oh, I remember and well. He was supposed to play behind Spencer Ware, and then Ware got hurt, and then all of a sudden Kareem Hunt's value went through the roof. He was a ridiculous value at that position and a top eight fantasy running back. So I feel like that trend weighs heavily in terms of my decision. But this kid has got everything you need. He is a great route runner. He is an absolutely explosive runner. Great catcher of the ball out of the backfield. Right. We got to see how he is in pass protection because there's been no OTAs. There's not going to be a preseason. So if there's one thing we need to learn, we need to see what he can do in terms of pass protection at the next level. He has got everything that you need to perform and make a massive impact. I see you laughing at me because I'm being animated. I love this guy. Like I'm when D'ion Williams opted out, I was like, giddy the hell up, man. <laughs> I am this dude all the way up, top of the first round. He's gonna be great. And it's not like we haven't seen rookie running backs just explode, but they all always do, right? Mm-hmm. Zeke. We can go back to Saquon, Clinton Portis, like Edgerrin James, like I'll go back. 15, 20 years, and find you a rookie running back who absolutely just went bananas. And this kid is in a great position to succeed. This, I think about this, and it gets me excited.
2: Think about I defenses. can't tell. I, 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 I right,
4: I'm, tell. Not, I'm not even a Chiefs fan either. Think about defenses. Uh-huh. Having to cover Tyreek, having to cover Kelsey, have to worry about Nicole Hardman, having to worry about Sammy Watkins. And then you got this kid in the backfield mm-hmm. who is going to basically end up being put in great positions to succeed on screen passes. They're going to put him out in space. This kid is going to go bananas in Kansas City, man. And and right now, you've got DeAndre Washington. You've got Daryl Williams. You've got Darwin Thompson. Right. There's nobody there. That's right. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. There's nobody there really to take, like, significant touches from this kid. And Reed has shown, with Kareem Hunt, He's not afraid to put a rookie running back in a featured role right away.
2: Yeah, uh, look, I, I'm with you. When when Hilaire got drafted, I thought it was a fantastic landing spot, and I thought for sure right there with you. I just I, It's unbelievable to me that everybody already is putting him almost in that top five conversation. But you know what? I can't argue with anything that you put out there, man. Those are all really good arguments, and I lived in Philadelphia during the Andy Reid era. I saw it with my own eyes there. So I, I feel you, man. I actually I absolutely agree with you what's going on there. And my question now on the next guy here is trying to evaluate the, speaking of former Andy Reid running backs, Kareem Hunt, Nick mm-hmm. Chubb situation, because now there's another one here where we're looking at these guys. And obviously last year, Chubb was right on the precipice of the rushing title. Obviously, Kareem Hunt came in and was very productive. And we did see the target volume go down for Chubb as Kareem Hunt showed up. Is there enough for both of these guys to be like in that fringe RB1 category? I see you've knocked Chubb down basically like in a 14-range RB overall, right. ball, which is right outside the number ones. Is that too far, or is it really just a matter of, hey, Kareem Hunt's there for a full season now, different O.C., different situation? So take me through the thought process with those two backs, because I got a lot of Kareem Hunt shares already this year. Nick Nick
4: Chubb is being overdrafted if you're getting him in the first round. It's too high. And I get it. Like, you know, first round, second round, whatever. It's it's pretty close. But here's the thing. When Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt were on the field last season at the same time, or uh, more to the point, Hunt was back from suspension – they averaged basically the same number of fantasy points per game. It was right around 13. Like, the difference was negligible. It was Kareem Hunt as a pass catcher and Nick Chubb rushing the football. So Nick Chubb still had some big games as a runner, and he's going to have some big games as a runner. And I wouldn't be surprised if he rushed for over 1,300 yards this season. But when you look at the difference in terms of the fantasy production from when Chubb was the featured back and Kareem Hunt wasn't there to when Hunt came in, Mm -hmm. it's huge, man. He was on pace to be a top eight fantasy running back before Kareem Hunt came back. When he when he came back, he was barely in the RB2 conversation, Nick Chubb. And he had some stinkers, too. I remember, I think it was week 16. I mean, he absolutely just destroyed me. He didn't do anything. So let's see how Kevin Stefanski utilizes both of these guys. But Kareem Hunt, he could end up getting used as a wide receiver a little bit more often, too, especially if Jarvis Landry can't start the season in week one. We've been right. That's hearing a rumors big, He's that's not going to be back in right time. There. Time will tell with that. But I just don't like the fact that there was such a significant decrease in Chubb's ability uh, in in terms of Chubb's opportunities as a pass catcher once Kareem Hunt came in. So Nick Chubb, unless he's going to be the next Derrick Henry and rush for, you know, 1600 yards and double digit Mm -hmm. touchdowns. I feel like there's, there's no reason to draft him as an RB one. He should be more of an RB two pretty close to being an RB one. And I love the guy. If he was the number one in Cleveland, he'd be a top five pick for me. No doubt about that. But you've got two elite fantasy backs in the same backfield. So I don't feel like either one is going to be spectacular week in and week out. I think Kareem Hunt is actually the better value. Yes, that's, that's my
2: point. Like the point a, I can make is, is that Hunt is the better ROI because of right. where you get to take him right there. And, and you know what? You probably end up with him at a, as a flex guy most weeks, and that is a fantastic exactly. spot. Look, I know we only have a few minutes left. You and I could do hours together. Maybe someday we will, but for now, we have a, a time limit. So take mm. me through James Conner, who I think you had 16 overall with the running backs. Now, look, there's certainly risk there. The guy's in a contract year. Plus, you add in the fact he is a cancer survivor with COVID, with everything going on. He's one of those guys that probably could do an emergency opt out if he chose to at some point. What is your faith level in Connor? What's your investment level? Where do you feel comfortable with him? I know we got like about a minute or two left here. Connor has shown that he can be an elite fantasy back. The year
4: that he took over, when Le'Veon Bell took his football and went home, and (laughs) he, he was tremendous, right? So we know what his ceiling is. And he's in a contract year, as you mentioned. And I get it. Pittsburgh has a bunch of other running backs on the roster, but Mike Tomlin has always liked to use a featured back when the opportunity arises. And Connor showed that he can be that featured back. The dude's in ridiculous shape. I remember he posted a photo of himself on social media. His back took up the whole photo. I mean, it was ridiculous. I saw the back photo. It was crazy. crazy. (laughs) So he's in great shape. He's motivated. Yes, I understand the the cancer situation potentially makes him uh, an an emergency opt-out option. Hopefully that doesn't happen. It looks like He's full go here for the 2020 season. So getting him as an RB2, I think that, I feel like that's pretty good because although there's some risk because he hasn't been that durable, like he could easily put up RB1 numbers, like top 12 numbers at the running back position in that offense with Ben Roethlisberger back under center.
2: Yeah. And I'll tell you what, man, I look for a bounce back from that whole offense. I understand that Bell's gone. I know Brown's gone. I understand the big names aren't there, but you know what? once upon a time, you know, they just keep cycling these new names in there. So not everyone was always a big name. Juju wasn't a big name until he had that big season. Remember
4: what D'Angelo Williams did in that offense?
2: Exactly. Exactly. That's the whole point. Whoever steps into that role is the guy. And uh, obviously you're the guy now at sports illustrated too. And I'm very happy for you Uh, again, a great landing spot for you. Uh, I wish you all the best there. I know we all do here at the show and we appreciate, I know you don't have a lot of time and I appreciate when you make time for us here on the program. And I know, The watchers and listeners here at Grid, do as well. So go check Michael out. Obviously, you know where to find him on Twitter already. But go check out his work now on Sports Illustrated. Go listen to the show on SiriusXM Radio. Michael, congratulations, baby. Glad that you landed in a good spot. And I can't wait to see all the new work.
4: Thanks, my brother. I always love coming on. It's a pleasure. Hopefully, I'll be back on soon. At that point, the Yankees probably... I don't know, maybe about twelve and one, 12 and two in terms of the record. Yeah. Getting ready to sweep yeah, the Red Sox. I can't see it coming
2: on at that time. No. I don't know why. There's something about that about? time. I don't know if that time really works out for us here. Maybe maybe when they're I don't know maybe on like a five and five stretch or something like that. Maybe that's the best time to have you on. Uh, but he's yeah, I'm going definitely to not coming on because there's no five and five stretch coming for my Yankees. <laughs> Stick <laughs> around, more sports, more sports grid, more fantasy sports today. Right after this
1: Hey, welcome back. Fantasy Sports Today. Thanks again to Michael Fabiano for coming on the show. Hopefully we'll have him back on again. And congratulations, Michael, uh, on the new gig for sure. No doubt about that. Uh, Joe, uh, Nick Markakis opted back in for the Atlanta Braves. We got that news uh, late last week. And now he has been activated by the Atlanta Braves. as They could really use the help right now. They're down a few men. And it's, it's kind of interesting to me to see because it I wonder about football as well as it pertains to this and sort of like what the rules are, because Marquise clearly, as he said, spoke to Freddie Freeman, heard how sick he was, and that was part of the deal. And then he came back in. And I wonder if this is going to apply also to the NFL. Now Marquise is the only player that we've seen as far as I can tell right now that opted out and then came back in. But I wonder if other players are sort of going to think the same thing, and and maybe there are a bunch of players who will end up doing that but that's what makes fantasy so tricky this year is because sometimes you think you know who's in you think you know who's out you don't even know who's out
2: no and look the fact that marquillas came back i gotta be honest with you i was kind of shocked at that news when i heard it a few days ago and You know, I think it's great that he felt comfortable enough to come back, but uh, I would love to hear out of his mouth a little bit more about that thought process and what that conversation was with his family or maybe with the teammates or with the organization and why he came to that decision eventually, because it does seem like a strange thing to opt out and then come back and all of a sudden you feel comfortable enough, especially basically announcing it in the heat of everything that else was going on where there were COVID outbreaks. So that, to me, is the most puzzling part about it. And I'd love to hear more from Mark Cacus on that. And it's not out of the realm of possibility, depending on what the rules are with the NFL and the opting out, uh, that we do get some players who opt out. Maybe they see things that are working, things that are all right. They decide they are comfortable coming back. And I'm sure if it's a player of big impact, or maybe just any player at all, that NFL teams will be happy to have them back and welcome them in. But uh, look, it's certainly uh, one of these stranger stories, I think. And that's saying a lot, considering what we've done the last two weeks.
1: Yeah, a lot of veterans are out there considering their options. And Marqueque has considered it and decided he wanted to be part of the team. So good for him. All right, uh, let's take a look at a couple of games today. We have the uh, New York Mets taking on the Washington Nationals, Joe, and the Nationals are just a monster favorite today, minus 215. Mm -hmm. Why? Because, of course, Max Scherzer is on the mound. Why? Because the Mets are suffering through all of these injuries, and also Rick Porcello, who has yet to show that he was worth the investment yet for the Mets. Still time to go on this, but the total is eight and a half, which tells you that, hey, I mean, maybe Porcello does get it together today because eight and a half does feel like a low number, which tells you, maybe it's 6 to 1 maybe 4 to 1 maybe something along those lines as you mentioned joe uh, nationals are waiting on juan soto to come back it was actually soto who told the team that he needed a couple of days because he hadn't been really in uh, good enough game shape didn't want to embarrass himself on the field so it just shows you what kind of guy he is uh needless to say you could take a stab at the mets anything can happen joe the, the nets were 20 point dogs yesterday right so Maybe this is the day the Mets, uh, you know, say we're back, but I doubt it.
2: You're trying to give me hope. What are you trying to do? I don't understand. What, yeah, what probably not. You're trying nah. to make me feel good yeah. about the Mets. I don't, I don't appreciate this at all. No, no, I'm going to live in reality. And the reality is Rick Porcello's whip is uh, is sky high. The reality is Rick Porcello's getting hit all over the ballpark. And the reality is that Max Scherzer is one of the best pitchers in baseball against the Mets lineup. That's without Cano could be without McNeil. Uh, They got Dozier playing today and they got a lot of subs in there. I know Rosario was dealing with a quad issue. There's so many things going on right now with the New York Mets. They are not at full strength. And even if they were, they would still be huge underdogs in this game. So look, I understand it's a big line, but it's hard not to
1: understand why. Yeah. And I think that's a pass unless you're looking at the total today, Uh, later tonight, Dodgers and Padres, it's a pretty good matchup. Padres are playing decent baseball here. Grisham has been a nice surprise. Tommy Pham as well. And Ross Stripling is going to be forced to go up against this very difficult Dodger squad where everyone is hitting. I mean, even Corey Seager looks like he's having a comeback type season and naturally the Dodgers are going to be favorites in virtually every game they play this year. In fact, let's 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 make a reminder here to show me when the Dodgers are not a favorite in a major league baseball game this year, but outside of playing maybe in Houston, I, I don't see any team in the West, either division that, possibly could be a favorite but look strange things happen player gets hurt and that could change it but just goes to show you here even with the Padres at home and even with a decent pitcher on the mound in Richards Dodgers are a dog the total is eight in the game and it's really hard to go against them at this point with the amount of offense that they have and the amount of pitching too. Trevor May yesterday was just throwing these nasty pitches they're just so stacked Joe it's it's uh it's almost unfair to the I mean the AL has their share of, of good teams you know they have yeah, the Yankees, and they have the Astros and a couple of other contenders. But who else does the National League have? Yeah, well, the, the Dustin National May was guess, very. Right? Yeah,
2: Dustin May went six innings yesterday, and I did not think Dustin May had six innings in him. Yesterday, so I was surprised by that. He outlasted Denelson Lamet, who I liked last night. Is maybe a, I think I flew too close to the sun, so I will take a bad beat on that one. And I'm taking every bad beat with you, just like every good one. So it was good that Corbin worked out from DFS yesterday. All the cash games were good. But obviously, last night, Lamette could not make it two for two against the Dodgers. It would have been a fun story, but alas, it was not. Stripling is a very capable pitcher. You know, whenever Ross Stripling's been called upon, he has shown up. And I think that is something to... Keep in mind here. And, and that's the thing that the Dodgers have done such a good job with, too. They've had a lot of depth in their system always. And they've been able to have these guys like Stripling, it used to be Maeda, that if they needed some starts out of some guys, they could get them when they needed them. And that's something that a lot of other teams do not have the luxury of. And I like the Pirates. I think they're a plucky team. I think they're going to stay in this for sure. And uh, as they continue to add more of their young arms, of Gore, Patino, and guys like that, as this season progresses, it's going to be fun to watch. When this all comes back around again at some point in time but right now it's hard not to think the dodgers are the favorite it's hard not to look at stripling as a guy who go out there give you a quality start and i love bellinger tonight too uh in terms of his value it's a little bit lower than normal because he's been a little slow lately, but I'm telling you right now, that's a great value over on FanDuel. I think he's just 4.1 today. Uh, usually you see a, a salary like that in a matchup like this, it's a lot higher, somewhere around like a 4.5678 range. So take that $500 discount you're getting on Bellinger because it's a really good matchup for him tonight before it starts to correct itself.
1: Yeah, and and look, it's it's one of those things where we're starting now to get to the point where you're going to learn a little bit more about the teams, especially the ones that have been playing quite a bit and I think that as we see the Dodgers play more, we realize that they're going to be extremely hard to beat. And they, by the way, they've been doing this without Mookie Betts, too. So does it really matter who they have in their lineup? Gavin Lux is about to come back up. They're saying that he's ready to play. So uh, Dodgers are tough to beat. San Diego could be a team also in the postseason, though, so we won't sleep on them as well. Well, in sports, it's the year of the bizarre. There is no question about that. And in case you missed it yesterday, you missed a scene going on as – a drone was flying over uh, Target Field in Minneapolis and a very bizarre scene as they had to stop the game. Mm. And, Joe, of all the things that you expect to see, there's just another one. And then the drone, I don't know if you saw it was, was just sitting on yeah. top of the field, just like whoever was running this thing. I guess they call him a droner. I've never flown a drone before, so I don't know. But they were just videoing. And sitting there, and players were, like, throwing baseballs at it to get it to go away. Finally, after a few minutes, it did. But, like, who does this? Like, you got to be a complete (laughs) you-know-what to
0: fly a drone. I
1: I, I had to stop the game.
2: I I think who does this is uh, somebody who's pissed off that the game is local blackout. And they got the extra innings package, and they can't see it. So, you know what? I'm going to go get my drone, and I'm going to fly it out there, and I'm going to try to watch this baseball game. And you can't stop me, Major League Baseball. Uh, you took all my money for extra innings and I can't even watch my team play. Uh, so I don't know. It's it's definitely a weird story. But then again, uh, what else is 2020 if not weird?
1: Yeah, this is the weird uh, year of stories. Speaking of which, the skipper of the Minnesota Twins, Rocco Baldelli, was asked about what happened, how the drone came into play, and potentially where did it come from?
5: Oh, first saw it uh, definitely uh... – Uh, a a 2020 moment right there um i don't you know we all looked up kind of all figured it out right around the same time you see people even on the other side kind of pointing uh once we it was acknowledged by uh the umpires and chatting with with jeff nelson um basically we were we knew we were going to have to deal with some sort of delay whether it was going to be a minor delay or major delay we didn't know but Uh, At 1 point, we thought um, we may have to wait until the entire parking garage was clear um, because we uh, had thought, or I'm not sure if someone knew if the 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 droner um, was on the roof and was 1 of the people that we could see from the ball field. So, uh, you know, it's, it's on, it's a little unfortunate. Uh, Our guys were able to lock in Jose went out there. Um, had to deal with a pretty odd break right there and then and then still uh, pulled it together and, and did a nice job finishing up.
1: And Baldelli speaking there of, of Jose Barrios, Joe, have you ever flown a drone of that nature? Like, I'm one, not, not one of the little ones, but like one of the really big ones. Is that something that you have or that you've done?
2: No, no. But uh, I would if someone said, hey, you want to go fly this drone and say, like, OK, sure. Why not? It looks like a fun thing to do. Uh, but no, this is this is so bizarre. You know, just when you think uh, things can't get more bizarre, you have this story and the a drone holding up a baseball game. And look, now that one idiot's done it, some other idiot's gonna try to do it or a pack of idiots. So if you think this is the last you've seen of this, you're probably wrong. Uh, but there were some funny stories and some silliness going on. I don't know if you saw the Joey Votto comments yesterday too, talking about maybe in one section just putting a hundred cardboard cutouts of himself. Uh, I thought that was a very funny thing. Uh, I think everyone is slowly starting to lose their minds a little bit this year, and it's starting to show. It's the it's uh, it's August. It's the dead of summer. It's been a very, very long year. We're trying hard to get baseball, and uh, I think everyone's just a little punchy, to say the least, right now. But, uh, Craig, do you think this is the last drone incident you're going to see here in a sporting event? Because I don't think it is.
1: I, I, I really can't say. I I, mean, I never would have predicted this. I wouldn't have predicted it would have stopped the game.
2: <laughs> well, you I can, can't break the whole thing. If, yeah. I guess you know if that drone was broadcasting it, you would have to stop it. and I that's the thing with the with certain capabilities of certain drones, I do know this that you know they have that live feed capability. so I can only assume that's kind of what was at play here. And you know, I don't know if this is open Pandora's box or if people have tried this before and been thwarted, but it certainly seems like once somebody does it, they go, oh, huh, that's interesting. I wonder if I could x, y, z, x, y, Z and make this work for something else. But I guess that's one way to social distance and watch the ball game,
1: right? Via drone. That's true. Yeah. And those things are really expensive. And so yeah. you're also taking the risks because I would assume that if one of the players would have hit it with a ball and it would have fell. I mean, I, I think that those things are like hundreds, if not a grand. So you'd basically be out your drone just for taking a shot there. So was that really even worth it? i, I just weird. Not sure why. No, uh, I'm
2: I'm not sure why either, uh, but uh, <laughs> I, I like I like my fake excuse, which is it was the blackouts. It was the blackouts of uh, not being able to see your team and you want to find a way to see your team, which I mean, like I, I understand there's rules in place, but man, it's been a rough year. Can not we just give everybody the ball game? I mean, don't you think that they should kind of pull those rules or suspend them just for now, just for this year at least?
1: Uh, on which one? On
2: what, what now? Uh, you know, the, the fact that Major League Baseball still has the local blackouts uh, in uh, the, oh, on the blackout.
1: Um, yeah, it makes no sense. Yeah, it makes no sense.
2: I mean, but. especially this year. Haven't we been through enough? Can't we all just get a ball game? If you're, Especially if you're paying for it. It's not like you can get it without paying for it. You have to pay for the service. But then not to be able to watch your own team just because you live there and you're not allowed to go to the ballpark and you're not allowed <laughs> to leave your house <laughs> in some places. I mean, it seems like, hey, you know what? Maybe for two months we just give you a pass, right?
1: And there's no fans of the game. So it doesn't make any sense right. at all. They can't, right. it, they used to say that they did that to force fans to have to go buy a ticket, I but there's no that. ticket. Right. Yeah, it's just it that I understand.
2: Sense. I totally get it from that point of view, but right. for this point of view now that you physically cannot go to the ballpark and a lot of people physically cannot leave their house and not everybody has cable not everybody can afford those things, but maybe if they buy that one package, they can watch the ball game. And it's just, it's kind of sad. I, I think major league baseball needs to look at that right now and, and make a good decision.
1: One of the things they are looking at is the postseason, and I'm wondering if that's going to be in a designated location. Maybe the consideration is to have a bubble just to make sure the postseason gets played. We'll save that story for another day when that gets closer. We'll be back with more fantasy sports today. Our DFS preview for this Wednesday is next. Stay on the grid. Welcome back. It is fantasy sports today here on sports grid. Joe and I will be back for hour number two in just a couple of minutes. So make sure you stay tuned. We'll review all the top stories of the day, hit on a little, some football, some basketball as well. We got games ready to start there. We got a hockey game underway as well for the team that I have here in my hometown, Florida Panthers need a win to stay alive in their push for the playoffs. But if you're pushing to make some money today on FanDuel and you need some DFS advice, Joe Pisa P is going to give you some tips on who you may want to salary, roster and take, on your uh, team today on FanDuel. Joe, what you got?
2: Now, I don't usually like uh, cash game arms on the road, but in this specific instance, especially going against Craig Mish's favorite pitcher on the Royals, Bubik, uh, we're definitely going to go with you, Darvish, here in this one. Uh, yes, I know the Cubs are having some bullpen issues right now, but still, I think the offense right now is uh, good enough to go over there win this game. Rizzo also hits lefties very well, so that's not going to be a problem this one. So I'm looking for Darvish at 9.5 to be a good investment at Kansas City. Uh, Lance McCullers is that GPP arm. Not a lot of appeal, a lot of dangerous picks tonight, but Lance McCullers and the Astros, you could see Correa, I mean, so, excuse me, uh, Correa heating up right now and Alex Bregman looking good tonight. He's my big bat. I love those Astros against Robbie Ray tonight in the Arizona Diamondbacks. McCullers at 8.1 allows you to do a lot there. You kind of stack this game there against uh, Robbie Ray, which look, he's just been all kinds of confused with this new windup he's working on. It is not doing well. And then Teoscar Hernandez at Atlanta against the lefty and Newcomb. Uh, This is a pretty good matchup, a pretty good uh, situation for him too. He's been moved up to the three spot in this order. He's really cushioned there very nicely. It's a really good value and that's going to allow you to go up there and get guys like you, Darvish. So he's a good lineup builder tonight. So Darvish McCullers are your pitchers. Teoscar Hernandez and Alex Bregman's that big bat you want and go get Correa and Yuli Gurriel and, and all the other Astros there too, because Rob Urey has not been good.
1: Well, Teoscar Hernandez off to a really good start. Uh, many years ago with the Astros, I thought that he was a star in the making, and it hasn't quite been that way for him in Toronto, although he did have a great close to the season last year. Maybe we're, we're seeing his, his ability to be used in DFS on a daily basis. That would certainly be a change from where we were last year. All right, coming up next, who is the closer? For the Angels, the Angels have a pretty good offense. So you would assume that they're still going to win another 15 or 20 games the rest of the year. And Hansel Robles is out. Who is in? All the top stories also coming up next. The Sports Grid's Fantasy Sports Today is back.